Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. We have got a great show today. I'm telling you, we got we got the strong muscles coming on and the strong mind coming on. We're going to be talking about becoming the world's strongest man and the power of reinvention all in one show. And my first guest is a really great person. I met my guest and his wife at the airport in, uh, in New York, making our way to Las Vegas back when you could fly. And on our way to an event, we struck up a conversation It didn't take me uh, very long to convince him to be on the show. Most of you might be familiar with him. He's the the world's strongest man in history. Now, it's, I'm talking about Nick Bess, a professional strongman competitor and the world champion powerlifter. And he is the star, of course, the History's Channel's The Strongest Man in History. Welcome back to All Business, Nick. Nick, good to have you on the show, brother. Great to be here, Jeffrey. How you doing? Yeah. Well, I'm doing good. I can't, I have to ask Look, you how you doing. How are you holding up? What's your, what's your new normal now? Um, my new normal is basically hasn't really changed a whole lot because I don't work a regular job anymore. I work from home. So it hasn't yeah. really changed that much for me. Plus I have my own home gym here so mm-hmm. I can go out and train and do everything that I normally do. Um, it's changed for my wife a little bit. She's an ER nurse. So her precautions before work and her precautions after work when she comes home, that's changed a little bit. So it takes her an extra hour, you know, of her day to probably clean off before she comes home. But the new norm is kind of, you don't get to see your friends. Yeah. Well, that's true. Well, except through this, right? I mean, you're able to do this and and maybe from afar, I was thinking about doing a bonfire, but we'd have a bonfire over here and a bonfire over here and a bonfire over here. You know, could be kind of yeah, kind of like Lord of the Rings where they lit the tower. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there we go. As we lit the fire. Oh, that would be an awesome thing. Maybe we should do that because I live out way out in the country and I think we can get by with that, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I would, I would do it if I was anywhere near. Yeah. You can see the fire from Vegas. I can imagine. I have to ask you because, and Callie, thank, thank her for us because, you know, look, like it's, like it's like being in the military right now. First responder, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I can't even imagine the horror. I can't imagine any of the stuff. And, and so, you know, I'm getting teary-eyed just thinking about it right this minute. Yeah. Um, so hats off to you. I know you're a strong guy, but I got, got him. You know, we want to – and I got to say this. So you, you guys send me as many freaking notes as you want, but as guys, as men – we want to take care of the people we love. And I got to imagine that's tough for you because she's taking care of others. And I, I know you're a compassionate, nice guy, but that's got to be tough on you too, right? Yeah, it's it's not easy. I mean, I, you worry about her. I mean, yeah. you know uh, when she's not going to, when a situation is going to come up and she might not have the proper PPE on. Yeah. You, she's still going to try to save the guy's life. Yeah. I know they've had people, they've had to put an emergency ventilator tube in and they didn't have the PPE on and had to go on yeah. quarantine for two weeks because of it. Yeah. You know, so. uh, yeah. I know it's tough. I'm, I'm, I literally, I'm getting teary eyed, man. I'm, I'm not joking you about that. So man, I can't imagine how you feel. It, let, me, do, let me ask you. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, well, question. Let me ask you when, when like, well, I got to ask what it's like when she comes home. 
You, does she have, you have like a decontainment shower outside or do you hose her off? I mean, what, I mean, I, I don't mean to be laughing about it, but that's my being uncomfortable. What do you do? She takes, she takes all her, all the stuff she was wearing off at work off. Yeah. Takes a shower, changes clothes, comes home, goes straight up and takes another shower when she comes yeah. home. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, we, we just say hi to her, keep her distance. She walks yeah. up, we have a separate laundry basket. We have, a, you know, all these other things where <laughs> those clothes that we put in the laundry basket would all be washed in super hot water with twice as much detergent, stuff like that, so that it literally disinfects everything. Yeah, and don't forget, folks, another handy hint. I mean, uh, out here in the ranch on South Dakota, I mean, I, I can't buy Lysol. I can't go get that stuff, and you can't yeah. find it anyway. So I Googled the homemade Lysol. I made that this weekend. You know, I got some lavender oil, some uh, lemon oil. I had to figure that and get that. You know, luckily my wife would have that. And then some rubbing alcohol. Boom, I got Lysol. And now the whole house smells like Lysol. And you you step into my house, man. And I've got a, a brother-in-law we're taking care of here. And, man, he, he goes out for a walk. We spray him down. So he, he doesn't like it. Yeah. So what are you doing to remain sane? I mean, when when more cities and states are issuing these stay-at-home orders, what, what's keeping you busy? I know you used to have a real routine, and yeah. I, I want to hear what you what you eat and what your routine is because it's it's. I think I eat a lot. Holy shit! Well, um, yeah, yeah. Tell me about that. Basically, I get up, I make uh, a full tub of rice, so it makes about six cups of rice. And then I'll make a dozen eggs um, with a couple yolks in there, um, chop up some bell peppers, chop up some carrots, and throw all that in and mix it in for breakfast. I'll only put about a cup and a half of rice in there, so that'll be breakfast. Then I take another cup of half of rice. Okay. So with, uh, oh, I thought you are eating like six cups of rice at one time. I'm going, dude, that's a lot of rice. That's the rice throughout the day. Why do you like the grain like that? Is that is that better? I mean, I, I eat like a cup and a half of oatmeal in the morning. I like that. Well, rice is a lot easier to digest on your stomach than oatmeal is, to be quite honest. Really? Yeah, way easier. But does um, that give you the fiber and stuff you like? I know I hate to be talking about stuff like this on air, but what the heck, you know? The carrots. Yeah, the carrots. Oh, carrots. When you chop up the carrots and throw it in there, the, the carrots give you the fiber. I hate carrots, man. They're baby carrots. They're they're easy to eat. You just mix them in there and throw them in there. Throw some almonds in there, um, yeah. and then some chopped up bell peppers in there. You don't even notice they're there. Yeah. So are you? Is Las Vegas shut down right now for you? Is it shut Las down? Las Vegas is a ghost town. Yeah. The only place that's busy are the stores. Yeah. The only place. The hospitals are even other than the emergency rooms and the ICU units. The hospitals are even slow. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was weird. I drove down the strip the other night and it was weird driving down the strip with only a portion of the lights on and none of the stuff working and no people there. It is eerie to go down there and not see anyone. I mean, it really is. Right. What's, oh, I need to pause for it. It's amazing that you'd see business shut down like that, but that's what we have to do. That's what we got to get done. Oh, There's no wow. doubt about it. That's what we have to do. So let's take a quick break. I'm talking to Nick Best. He is the History Channel's The Strongest Man in History, and we'll be right back. C-Suite Radio. Yeah, we're talking with Nick Best, History Channel's The Strongest Man in History, and he is indeed the strongest man in history. Got world records. So, how is your field, your your industry? I mean, I, you got the TV show, 
but yeah. I also know you help people with fitness and you're doing your own fitness. How is how has your field been affected by what's going on right now? Well, right now nobody can compete. There's no place yeah. to go to compete. All of our events have been canceled until further notice. My next event, everything that I have has been canceled all the way up through August. So I'm, the next competition I have that's on the books is in August, and I'm hoping that doesn't get canceled too. But well, but with that that far away, and like I'm doing with business right now, I'm doing leading this entire thing called Drive and Thrive. Drive and Thrive. Like you got to get off your ass right now, and you got to drive and thrive. And and just like your wife is a health first responder, I got to be a business first responder. And I'm telling right. people, hey, get your head in the game. Yep. People are counting on you. Well, you got to be doing the same thing, thinking about competition and what you got to do. Even though it's been held up, you got to say, hey, nope, I can't be sitting on the couch. I got to go do my do my stuff. Is that what you're doing? That's what I'm doing. And then I'm doing YouTube videos. I'm doing Instagram stuff. I'm doing some Twitter stuff. I'm trying to get a lot of just content out to, to show people what I'm doing for training, stuff like that. And then World's Strongest Man is going to talk to me on Thursday and we're going to do an internet contest for World's Strongest Man. So, we're do, yeah, we're going to do events here at home and then post up the videos and let people vote on it. So that do, I have a, do I have a chance? Do I have a chance at all, Nick? Uh, well, there's going to be some events that are creative. So right. you might be able to do very well on some of the creative events. You're out on Like the lifting ramp, a so. scotch bottle or, or, or scotch glasses, maybe? Yeah, scotch bottle for reps in a minute. <laughs> So how many times you can pick up that bottle in a minute? Absolutely. Hey, give me some hints because I got to tell you, I'm a big guy. You know that, uh, mm -hmm. but not as big as you. And I'm I'm not as I've been working. I don't work out like you in any way, shape, or form. Tell me some things I should do because I got to. I, I, can I still feel as strong mm -hmm. as I did when I was 20 years old? I still feel like I can lift the refrigerator, move it. I've done that. You know those right. kind of things, and I would still go do that today. Now I've been noticing lately. Mm -hmm. that some of that muscle definition is starting to go. Okay. Right. I'm 59. It's starting to go. What should I be doing? Why well, I got, why well, I do have some time, even though I'm, I've never been more busy in my life, but what should I do? I've got to make time. I wrote I actually wrote it down on my, on my sheet right here, a workout schedule. I wrote it right there on my sheet. Nice. I did. Yeah. That's a good start. That's, that's yeah, really that's fun. a good start. So right. what should I do? What, what would you give advice to a C-suite executive out there that you should be doing this right now? Take care of yourself. To, to take care of yourself right now, you need to be definitely going on brisk walks, 10 to 15 minutes. If you have any type of hills to walk up, walk up the hills and walk down the hills. Those will help Ooh. a lot. Yeah. Um, if you have a gallon of milk, you can do curls and squats with that. You can hold it in your hands. You can touch it to the floor and stand back up. Or finish the milk and just put water in it, right? I mean, <laughs> correct. When you're done with the milk, you can just put water in it. Same with the orange juice container. You can do the same thing with that. And you can do just a ton of exercises with those. Stiff-legged deadlifts, squats, regular deadlifts, uh, side laterals. You can lay down on your back and do like a bench press with them. There's, there's a an endless amount of things you can do with just a, an eight pound jug of water. Yeah. And so, so what about the old, what about the old tried and true? When I, you know, I was growing up, it was like, Oh, you did 10 jumping jacks, 10, mm -hmm. 10 cherry pickers, 10 touch your toes, 10, 10, 10 setups, 10, this, 10, that. What, what do you think about that? Yeah. Calisthenics are great. And absolutely, you know, schedule out maybe 20 minutes of calisthenics, 20 minutes of some type of weight bearing thing, 
um, whether you use the gallons or whatever, and then maybe 20 minutes of stretching to finish it off with a little bit of cardio. Um, if you want some crazy cardio, you can, if you got a truck or something, you could go push the truck for a minute at a time, push it for a minute, <laughs> take a, take a two minute break. Push okay. It that's it. That's, push it, that's your workout. Get up, push my truck. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I can, I might be, I can push my Kubota four wheel or I think I can do that. That would be good. That's where you start. Yeah. I know this weekend I'm hoping to get the plow off the front of it. And that's pretty heavy. I mean, it's still pretty heavy. It's hard to pull that sucker off, but I can get it done. We'll do it. Absolutely. So, you, you know, as the elder statesman, I have to say this because you were a little bit of, of your, of your strongman group, you know, cause you're a little bit, you're a little bit older than some of the other guys, right? Well, I'm a lot older than most of the guys. Yeah. So, I mean, tell me about the age, age difference on the guys on the show and then some of the other guys you're dealing with. Well, the guys on the show, the oldest guy on the show behind me is Brian Shaw. He's 38. You know, wow. I'm 51. So that's a, it's a pretty good age span. You could almost be, hey, I'm your daddy. You could almost say that. Have you ever said that? Uh, but Brian's 6'8 and 440. So I really don't want to make Brian mad. Not only <laughs> because he's that big, I'm afraid he'd probably eat me. Who so. said that strong men are stupid, right? They're not. That's the. <laughs> No, not true. No. Not true, man. Not true. It's kind of like one of my other training partners is Frank Mir. And yeah. I really don't want to make him mad either. He's two time UFC heavyweight champion. So and he's probably the best jujitsu heavyweight there's ever been in the UFC. So you train hard with him, but you, you try not to, you don't want to get into it with him. You got it. Hey, let's take another quick break. We'll be right back. C-Suite Radio. All right, it's great to be back. We're talking with Nick Best, the History Channel's The Strongest Man in History, and we're talking about becoming the world's strongest man or woman. And that's what you have to do during this whole pandemic time period that we're going through uh, is to be strong. Be strong mentally, be strong physically, right? I think, that, I think I think both of those are real important and spiritually in terms of your mood. And, and then also, you know, it's always good to kind of work out your brain about a higher being. I think that's a good thing too. So what wisdom can you impart on the next generation, you know, about, uh, about uh, being strong? About being strong, a lot of it's mental. Yeah. And it's how strong you can be mentally um, and how determined you are and what you're willing to put yourself through um, to get there because it does require sacrifice. But things that do help with that is meditation. I, I meditate yep. probably at least a half hour every day. And it kind of sets me right and gets my head into where it needs to be and focuses me on getting things done and having a plan. You got to put a plan together as well. Um, you How long have you been meditating? Because I, I, to me, if I, if I were to look at you, and I can see that in you, but I would also think before you started doing that, you would have been... Now, I don't know whether to use the word troubled, but you would have been easily, easily agitated, easily. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know, you just, you have that look and feel. I, you know, I have that look and feel, but the more I stay calm and centered, the better I am, you know? Yeah, I started that in my 20s. Yeah, yeah. And it, it started mellowing me out and it a lot, plus the weights, between the weights and the meditation, it took a lot of that um, hyper aggressiveness away. Well, it gives you the discipline, right? Yes, in that as well. It gives you a lot of discipline. And I got to imagine in your in your field, just like good business practices and processes, you got to be disciplined. 
you must be disciplined. If you are not disciplined, you will not get anywhere. You have to keep people around you that are like-minded, that are moving in the same direction. And the people that are going to distract you and pull you away from that become acquaintances. It's all about what you surround yourself with. Yeah. What have you learned from all these strongmen uh, competitions that, that, that could teach you about life? Um, basically, you're not going to win everything that you do. Nothing's going to be easy. But if you work hard enough, struggle hard enough, and are determined enough, you can be successful at anything that you do. It's just mm -hmm. an internal drive. And in some cases, like yourself, you can be a world record holder. Exactly. You can be yeah. a world record holder. You can be world champion. Um, there's no limit to what you can't do. It's all, it's as long as you use this. Yeah. First. Use that head. Use that head. Yeah. I got to point out, you're pointing at your head when we're on a podcast. See, we're live right now, but on a podcast, <laughs> Nick, I just got to tell you, they, they can't see that. They can't yeah. see, they can't see you turning red right now either. See, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. So uh, what, what inspired you to be a strong man? And doing and leading this, I, I got to imagine. I don't think you said, "Hey, that's what I'm gonna." Oh, hey, when I grow up, I'm gonna go do this, right? Yeah, um, I started lifting weights just in general to play football because I wasn't big enough, mm -hmm. and that really got me into it. And then when my son was three, we went and watched the strongman contest, and he's like, "Dad, you're really strong. You should do this. This is really cool." And the rest is history. That's what got me into it. And then the more I did it, the more I loved doing it because it's so much different. Powerlifting is very linear. Your strength's there, but it's squat, bench, and deadlift. It's very linear. It's not athletic. Strongman's athletic. Strongman is you're lifting odd stuff and trying to move as fast as you can with it. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're literally pushing a, a truck. You're you know, picking up logs or hauling logs or tree, trees. They're not logs. They're trees. Let's be clear. Running yeah. with yokes, doing yeah. like picking up 400-pound suitcases and running with them, stuff like that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What? What? <laughs> Let me let's give him some stats. How tall are you, and and how much you weigh? I'm six foot two, and I'm about three hundred and eighteen pounds as of this morning. Yeah, fantastic. What's the waist? Chest? Uh, chest is fifty eight. Waist is forty. Um, my thighs are like thirty three, and my biceps are about twenty one. That's unbelievable. Yeah, I can back when I was playing ball, I had thirty two inch thighs. Yeah. yeah. When I was playing rugby and, 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 and serious ball back then, that was a long time ago, but that is a long time ago. We're, we're very similar in size. Although, um, man, I, your the chest is much bigger. I'm down to I'm 52 and then, mm -hmm. uh, my waist is uh, 38 right now. So you're, you're, you're doing much better, much better, but, uh, but yeah, that's what you do. So that's good. Well, how much, let me, how, uh, how much you benching right now? About five fifty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing my head off. Okay, no, that's, that's like that's almost like two of me. You're you're benching like two of me almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I squat 900. Holy crap, 900! I think I once squatted 400 or something like that. That you know that was that was a pretty big thing. And then uh, how about what's the deadlift? What's deadlift? It's about 900. It's like 880. It's 400 wow. kilos. You actually had that much weight? Do you have that much in your house too? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have a, a rogue set me up with a bunch of kilo plates. So like on a squat bar, I can go up to about 11, 1200 pounds on a squat bar. My leg press, I can get up to about 1500 pounds, 15, 1600 before it gets a little too rickety. So I, I got a lot of weight here. 
Do you do you ever do? I like to play around. I know we're almost running out of time, but I like it. You know, like when I go traveling, Nick, and I am a big guy. You're you're much much stronger than I am, but I, you know, I still do pretty good. I can lift up my bag, and it's like and my bag's like I know it's fifty three, you know, fifty usually about forty eight to fifty three pounds, and I always like to hand it off because it's pretty. You know, it's a good size weight bag. Uh, I like to hand it off with just a couple fingers or so. I really work hard to the, yeah. you know, to the Uber driver, or cab driver and lift it up and then they grab it and then they, oof, they it all down. Isn't that fun to do? That's fun yeah. to do. Yeah, that's yeah, a lot except, of fun to do. Except yours is a 400 pound suitcase, isn't that, or a 200 pound suitcase, not like my suitcases, man, yeah. man, yeah. man. Hey, when's the show, uh, is it airing again? When's the next episodes? What's coming up with then? We're talking about the show on History Channel, The Strongest mm -hmm. Man in History. In fact, I'm sure it's always running. I see you see you on there occasionally when I'm flipping through yeah. the channels. I love to catch them and see see what you're doing. They run it all the time. You can pick them up on YouTube now. Um, mm. We're waiting to figure out when this is over as, as when, far as what we're going to be doing with the show because this everything's come to a halt. So yeah. We're, we're just stuck. Well, you can't chance it, that's for sure. So you want to be careful. Hey, yeah. Nick, I tell you, how can people reach you? What's the best way they can reach it? Because I want to make sure that we're plugging your uh, all your social accounts and how they can reach it. Because, hey, look, you can get Nick to come do an ex exhibition. You can get Nick to Absolutely. come talk to your group. You can get Nick to just talk to you. You can get oh, no, Nick are we to done in June now? weights at you. Huh? Are we done in June now, by the way? Does that mean the thing in June's not happening? Well, no, we're still looking for June. Okay. We're still looking okay. for June. So you'll see us cool. at June. Yeah, well, Nick, we've got you for our June event. Our, our hope is to hold that event. We're still going to try to do our best, but we'll wait and see with everybody what that's going to look like because we want to be safe first, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can reach me on Instagram at Nick Best Strongman. You can reach me on YouTube at just Nick Best. Um, Twitter at Strongman and Best. So those are the three platforms that I post to quite regularly. All right, my friend. Well, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you being right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazels. We're live on uh, LinkedIn and Facebook. And uh, it's just been a pleasure as always. Our best to Callie, hugs and kisses to her. Um, and tell her we were thinking of her and we, we, we thank her. Thanks. Uh, I'll, I'll let her know for sure. Cheers, brother. Good to talk to you. Hey, at the end of every show, I like to talk about the things I learned. And from Nick, I learned quite a bit. And I'm going to tell you about some other lessons from the other half of the show a little bit later. So make sure you tune in. Uh, with Nick, I learned about discipline. You know, right? Right now, getting your business on track, doing the things you have to do, whether you're a power lifter and going for the world's strongest you know, record for being the strongest person in the world, you got to have discipline. And the same thing holds true for business. That's what I learned today. And that was a great reminder. Great reminder. Hey, my next guest is one of those very special people. He's going to talk to us about the power of reinvention. He's done that a number of times in his career. Chip Conley is the founder of Modern Elder Academy, where he's teaching people to go back to the basics. And, and especially older folks who have to learn all new tricks. The old dogs learn new tricks. And he's the Airbnb strategic advisor for hospitality and leadership. I mean, this guy was back in Airbnb when I was telling him, you got to be nuts. That'll never catch on. Oh, did he beat me? So one of my adages for business is adapt, change, or die. If we're not learning new technologies, approaches, and techniques, we might as well fold it up and call a day. And it's the same thing for life. And it's the same thing going on right now, right this very minute. You can learn a lot of different things about you're going through all these new challenges. People are talking about the new normal. It's always normal. It's not new. It's always normal. Because 
Why? Because we're reinventing. So during the recession, many people were forced to take a different approach on getting a job and even changing their career path. And he talks about that during our show that's coming up. So how does one pivot successfully? My next guest can give us insight on what it takes to reinvent ourselves to maintain business continuity. So welcome to the show, Chip Conley, to all business right here on C-Suite Radio. Chip, good to see you, brother. Jeffrey, great to be with you. Thank you. I'm honored and I love the fact you're doing this live. It's fun. You know, it's a little different for us and there's all kinds of glitches and, you know, things that come up as part of the process. But you know what? No, in, in this case, okay, as opposed to what we're seeing going on everywhere else, no one uh, died, right? No this one is, died, this, yeah. Now yeah, listen, exactly. I think what I appreciate about it is that it's spontaneous and we're, it's not scripted. So oh, we're just, yeah. gonna, we're just going to have a conversation. Yeah, we all, and I always love my shows. They're all like that. And people say, first of all, I get a lot of people say, oh, did he just ask that? Because I'm <laughs> in the middle of the conversation. I just thought, well, everybody wants to know. So I'm going to ask you this or that. Yeah. But here we got, we, I can see right now we got you lying in your bed, right? I'm, I'm lying in my bed. You know, the question is, how do you, be, how can you be productive in your bed? Yeah, this is the, the headboard here in Mexico. Uh, but yes, yeah, for I, those listening, it's a beautiful padded, uh, very colorful. Looks like it's got bugs on it and birds and <laughs> the leaves and trees and rabbits and everything. So it just happened. My bed, unfortunately, is the place in my home where I get the best uh, Wi-Fi service. So that's why I'm uh, here. Well, thank you very much. And I know it's not always easy getting Wi-Fi done in certain parts of Mexico. So yeah. thanks for for taking the extra effort and just being. So first of all, I got to ask everybody, how you doing? No, I'm actually doing pretty well. Um, yeah. it, it's such a, there's a, a famous expression in psychology called cognitive dissonance. It's yeah. when, you have, when, when you have two competing ideas in your head at the same time, that's exactly how I feel right now. I am, on the one hand, appreciating the spaciousness, especially living down here where, you know, shelter in place and quarantine is in paradise is not a bad thing. Um, and then on the other hand, I'm a, I'm a hospitality uh, exec. And so, yes, I'm still helping the founders of Airbnb and their, their business has been pretty decimated in the past yeah. few months. Uh, I still own 12 hospitality businesses, nine of which have been shuttered. So the financial side of this has been just devastating. And then the emotional side with employees, we've been doing our best to try to keep our employees um, paid as opposed to just furloughing and, and, and getting rid right. of everybody. But we're starting to get to a place where we can, can't do that anymore. So I'm really interested to see whether the, sti the stimulus package, uh, the $2 trillion, has something in it for us. But it's, I, well, without question, it does for payroll. I mean, the PPP program has that. But Well, the problem you know. with the PPP program, I'm just to FYI, is it's based upon the premise that it's only going to last you know, for six or eight weeks. I mean, we're, we're going to be shuttered for six months. For yeah. most of In the hospitality business, without question. I mean, for those people, you know, I'm having this issue with my my brother-in-law who has uh, mental issues and he's now with us. He's very high risk. And so we're out in the middle of nowhere and he doesn't understand why he can't go see everybody. He doesn't understand why he's doing that. And so finally I got him in his head that someone said on the news until May 6th, oh, thank God someone said that because no, and now I've got to try to get him to understand it's not till June, July. Yeah, you know that he's going to be able to get out. You know, if if we're that soon, you know, because in South Dakota where we're at, you're uh, okay. Saying, yeah, you're okay. Well, right? We're okay. We've been we've been physical distancing since the statehood. So, so <laughs> you know, 
So that, but our peak doesn't hit until June. It's they're saying okay. so. It's a it's a different issue, and so we got some we got some problems with that. So we we'll have to figure that out. So um, it's it's got to because you own some hotels too, right? I still do. So I, I started a yeah. company called Joie de Vivre. Ran it for twenty four years. Sold it to the Hyatt Group. Hyatt now has Joie de Vivre, but I still own the real estate of um, nine uh, hotel nine hotels and 12 mm-hmm. hospitality businesses. So yeah, so owning the real estate of, of hotels right now is not <laughs> not anything I'd wish on anyone else. Yeah, has, has have any of the hotels, or have they approached you about turning some of those into hospitals or potential yeah. hospitals? Yep, yep. Uh, all of them are in the San Francisco Bay Area, which was hit hard early, although actually has done relatively well the last two or three weeks. Um, uh-huh. But yes, uh, whether it's... Uh, for family members or literally for, for people who are um, in quarantine because they're sick. Um, we are, we are in conversation and at least one of our hotels will probably go into being a, you know, a center. Hey, listen, folks, we're talking live right here, all business live on C-Suite Radio. And of course, we're broadcasting live through uh, LinkedIn and Facebook. We're talking with Chip Conley, founder, Modern Elder Academy and Airbnb Strategic Advisor for Hospitality and Leadership. We're going to take a quick break and talk, come back and talk about the power of reinvention. C-Suite Radio. We're talking with Chip Conley, again, founder, Modern Elder Academy and Airbnb Strategic Advisor. And you have been an entrepreneur for as long as I've known you. And I've known you yeah. for, I think, about 12, 15 years now. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, somewhere in that range. And we met when I was back. I think I think we met when I was the CMO of Kodak. Yeah, that, yeah. That time frame. But let me ask you a question. So how would you, what advice? I mean, you're an entrepreneur, <laughs> man. You're, you're, you, you're out there. You've always been out there. You're, you, and you're a great soul, by the way, too. That's Thank the other you. thing I think is really cool about you. You're just a great soul. And you can, you can see it just comes out of you. Um, what, what advice do you have as a mentor for other entrepreneurs? What advice do you have them right now? Well, let me give you my, my lesson I learned at Airbnb, which I think is very relevant today. So I, I joined uh, Airbnb seven years ago, uh, a little over seven years ago with the three founders. The f- founders were 21 and 23 years younger than me. And I came in to be their, their mentor because they had yeah. no background at all in hospitality. But what I learned, or in leadership, or in entrepreneurship, to be honest with you, but what I learned pretty quickly, uh, Jeffrey, was that I didn't know a damn thing about tech. I was 52 years old. Mm. The average age in the company was 26. And I had to be both the mentor and the intern. There's a famous movie, uh, The Intern, with Robert De Niro yeah. and Anne Robert Hathaway. De Niro, yeah. And and, and, so what's interesting is that Robert De Niro taught me a few things in that movie because I didn't really have a model for what does it mean to be both a mentor and an intern at the same time. There are times when you have wisdom and you need to be able to offer that wisdom without actually sort of lecturing people or or preaching. And then there's times when you better be the curious one because you don't know what the heck people are talking about. And my belief is that um, in a time like now, reinvention and reintention of who and what we are is really about being a combination of curious, curious and wise. And to me, that's what the founders of Airbnb started calling me their modern elder. Um, and, and that oh, was based, wow. based upon the premise that they said, Chip, you are a, you're not just the elder of the past who just has everybody sit at their feet and then just passes out wisdom. No, you are actually the most curious person in the room sometimes. Um, so it's not like you just have learned it all. So I would just say the most important thing about life is to be a lifelong learner. And so what do you do now to be a lifelong learner? Well, you start looking at 
depending upon what your industry is, what your career is, what your, what your functional skill is, there are a lot of changes that are, are coming um, that yeah. are, are probably long-term. Some of them are short-term. I, I do believe that hotels will make a comeback, but I do believe that you know, for, this month, for this quarter alone, <laughs> global hotels are going to see a 90% drop in revenues relative to Q2 2019. Yeah. That's pathetically... I've never and seen probably that. at least, and, and a significant double digit, okay? Probably 50% in the next quarter. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. 50, that's what they're projecting for a third quarter. So, but if, if you sort of say, okay, I'm going to bet against hotels the rest of my life, you're like, okay, well, that's probably not the right not thing a smart to think about. Move. On the other hand, you could sort of say, how do you create virtual conferences in a way that actually makes them more than just sort of the functional kind of thing that we're used to, uh, the, the, the basic, uh, you're on a screen. How could you deliver food to people at their homes while the, where everybody's having a Mexican meal at lunchtime? Um, everybody gets a massage at 5 p.m. Everybody get, and it's all done through your home. So yeah. I, think, I think there's some really creative and curious ways for us to imagine what the future of certain kinds of industries are going to look like in, in a world where people are probably going to be a little, more, little bit more cautious about travel and in a world where remote teams are going to get more comfortable being remote. And if that's the case, there's some beautiful collateral benefits to being remote, and yet there's some collateral costs as well. So how do you start de developing tools and resources that help people deal with those collateral costs? Because one of the things, Jeff, I mean, you, based upon your experience working in Fortune 500 companies in, in general, so much of what happens in a workplace happens in the iterative spaces in between meetings. You happen to run into someone in a hallway. Right. And you yeah. say, It's that water cooler time or it's, it's the that, water cooler time. Yeah. Exactly. So the yeah. water cooler time has been turned off. We don't have water cooler time when we work remotely. So how do we actually shift our thinking about water cooler time? Yeah. See, we're starting to do that with huddles. So we're having our team do more interactive huddles where they get together and talk and not only just talk about, hey, what are the two, three or four or five things you're going to do today, but, you know, also just to have a chance to connect as a human being, which I think is important. You know, you're, you're talking about, I, I love that, give counsel. And sometimes you give counsel, sometimes yeah. you seek counsel. That's right. And, and I've always said that I, I that someone said, Jeff, what's, what's one of your secrets? I said, I don't know about our secret, but I just try to live in the constant awareness of things I'm not aware of. Mm. And if I, if I can go forward with that now, at the same time, I miss stuff. I mean, I remember when you first started talking about Airbnb, I said, now oh, you're freaking nuts. Are you kidding me? <laughs> There's no, no way I'm going to let someone set my house naked on my couch and pay me for it. Okay. There's no way. And then look, look what happened. I remember yeah. when we talked about oh, that, that it was seven years ago. And I, yeah. I have to, I have to admit when I first heard it, like, so I was one of the first boutique hoteliers in the U S and yep. the, the industry, the establishment said, this is stupid. Like who wants to stay in a sort of a hip, you know, place that doesn't have great service and the rooms are small, et cetera. Well, Boutique hotels, basically the, the hotel industry has become boutique hotels. If you go into a right. Marriott lobby now, a Marriott lobby looks like a boutique hotel. So I was an early pioneer at age 26. But at age 52, when I came across Airbnb seven years ago, I was like, 
this doesn't make any sense to me. So well, what, you, you, and you yeah. would have thought, Chip, you would have thought that, that you would have fought that because a lot of the hotels went after Airbnb, like big still time, are. right? Still are, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, I, I, you know, I thought what I did was having sold my management company, Joie de Vivre, um, I still owned, at the time that I joined Airbnb, I still owned 20 hotels. So I still had a vested interest in the hotel industry and doing well. But the thing that started becoming interesting to me was there was, was a statistic that was pretty much consistent every year, which was like 40 to 50% of the Airbnb guests would never have stayed in a hotel. So it was yeah. actually people, people who would not have made the trip or would have stayed with family or friends for free. And so I was like, okay, this is a new, a new kind of travel. And then as Airbnb, I, I helped Airbnb say, listen, your focus has been millennials on a budget in cities. There's, you know, the idea of second home, VRBO has been around since 1995. So right. why don't we expand this into more mainstream travel, more higher end travel, business travel, and most importantly, second home travel, because there's people with second homes all over the world who have been trying to actually rent them out to, to people to stay in their homes. So, so that, that, and that, that to me, do. and that, that I get, that part I get, because I'm not a guy I know I don't look even when my when I go visit relatives I don't want to stay at their house okay yeah, I, yeah. I'd rather go stay at a hotel and then go to their house you know for yes. breakfast or whatever I'm just that kind of guy but I'm also that kind of guy who just I travel 200 some days a year too or have been mm -hmm. and so to me that's always been a concept that was just not you know in my peripheral so it and you guys did this as I recall during you you started this company during during the last downturn I, I want to come back and ask you that in just a minute we're going to take another quick break i am talking with chip donnelly now chip is the airbnb strategic advisor for hospitality and leadership and is also founder of the elder academy we'll be right back talking about the power of reinvention c-suite radio so I'm talking with Chip Donnelly, uh, one of the early, early executives and strategic advisors for Airbnb. And we're talking about uh, right before the break, Chip, that the that Airbnb was founded during 2008. During, the, during yeah. the, you know, right, they came out of that. At the same time, Uber did too, during one That's of the right. deepest, darkest recessions we've ever seen. And what was that like? And then compare that to today. Well, I think if, if it's some evidence, it's evidence that, frankly, sometimes pioneering new businesses start in the bottom of a downturn. Uh, you know, Google also got started in 1998, 99, but it, it, it became big uh, during the, the dot-com bust and the recession. Uh, so long story short is I think that um, why Airbnb succeeded uh, in a downturn was because there was, um, there were a lot of people who were looking to still travel, but they wanted to do it more affordably. And there were a lot of people who were actually put out of work uh, at the recession and they had an extra bedroom or a cottage in the backyard. And they said, listen, I need to earn some this income. Makes sense. And so the, yeah. in, the earning of income became, uh, you know, something, so someone could actually become an innkeeper slash entrepreneur because they had some extra space. Uh, nobody wanted to pay them for their time because frankly, you know, it was hard to get a job in 2008, nine or 10. Right. And, and so people got used to the idea that I've got a cottage in the backyard and I'm just going to rent it out. Part of my job when I joined was, I, I, did, I was not there at the founding, but I was there pretty soon after. Part of my job was to help them professionalize and create more, con, uh, not consistency, but more dependability on the yeah. platform. And, uh, 
such that you know that we were able to gr- create higher customer satisfaction. We use yeah, well, move it from a bohemian kind of movement into yeah. a real yeah into a corporation that it is, which it has to be. Yeah. And I've known people who have actually you know remodeled their garage, right? They had mm-hmm. a detached garage, remodel it, now have a little mini apartment in there, and they're yeah. they're out near. What is it? Uh, the beach, San. What's a beach right outside of L- L.A.? The oh. Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara, not Santa Barbara Beach, but the one with the pier. I can't remember the name of. Oh, it. Santa Monica. Santa Monica Beach. Thank you, Santa Monica <laughs> Pier. There we go. I knew we'd get to it sooner. I'm verbally dyslexic, so it's a problem. So yeah, and and they they're making like 80, 90 grand a year, and the she quit she quit her job just to manage and do that. And, you know, uh, more, they're in their mid-50s, more relaxed. It's really cool. I think it's cool. Well, here's you, an interesting – wait, wait, wait. What you just described is the part that was interesting. So the company's average age was 26. It initially started as absolutely a millennial thing, hosts and guests. But by the time I got there, it was really clear the fastest-growing demographic of Airbnb hosts were people 50-plus. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's partly because they have more space. You know, if you're a millennial and you've got a, you know, a tiny studio apartment in New York City, you're like, what are you going to do? You're not going to like, are you going to have someone sleep on the couch? Maybe, but that's couch surfing. That's not Airbnb. So what was interesting for me was to be the translator in the company for older people, because that was our fastest growing demographic was people like me, my age. So it, that was an interesting part of my job there too. Is, and that's ultimately why I created this thing called the Modern Elder Academy, um, which is the world's first midlife wisdom school. Which I think is awesome to be able to teach the old dogs new tricks. Exactly. That's what it's all about. All doing new tricks. Do you, let me ask you another question. We're about to, we got about two minutes left. I just want to make sure that we can yeah. um, get to this real. How do you think the hotel industry is going to reinvent itself after uh, COVID? Well, if I was in the convention business or a convention hotel, I, pff, I have no idea. That's, that's, they're the ones most str- who are going to struggle. I think business, business hotels are still going to have uh, yep. a need. Bus- business is always going to be done in person for certain kinds of things, but they're going to have to figure, you know, we're going to see about a three or four year drop in rates. So dropping rates will make it more affordable for business travel. And then I think for leisure travel, it's going to have to be, um, how do, how do more than anything, I think for all hotels, it's going to be, how do you have like a good good housekeeping seal of approval for cleanliness? You know, cleanliness is at the bottom of Maslow's pyramid, but it's, Right now, when it comes to hotels, it's the whole damn pyramid. Because if, if you are worried about being in a, a, an unclean or a, a hotel room or a place that's not actually doing a very good job of keeping itself clean, you know what? I don't want to go stay in that place, no matter whether it's sitting on a lake with the most beautiful view ever. I don't want to get sick. Well, I tell you what, this is the first time I've ever had a show where we've actually worked in Maslow's, uh, Maslow and we worked in Fessner's Theory of Cognitive Distance. I've yeah. never seen a show where we've been that cerebral and still had that much fun. So, Chip, I got to thank you very much for being a part of this. I wish you the very best. I want you to stay safe down in Mexico and uh, keep reinventing yourself and reinventing business because every time you turn around, you know, it's it, it's very trendy and you do a good job with it. So, <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Okay, here's my lessons for after the show. It's really simple. Sometimes you got to get counsel and sometimes you give counsel. You might not be an expert in everything, but you're an expert in some things. And then where it don't make me, you know, don't do this. Don't do this. A lot of people like to try to apply their, their smarts, their ingenuity to another 
another genre, another topic, another thing that you need. And you're not an expert on everything, folks. I don't care how smart you think you are. So sometimes you got to give counsel and a lot of times you got to seek counsel. That's what I learned right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on C-Suite Radio. Don't forget to tell your friends. I appreciate it. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.